Music is a very powerful tool. Music is a gift uh, that God uh, has given us. Amen, João? And uh, it helps us to worship. I mean, as I, I, don't, I hope, and this is, this is not by chance, but there is great effort put forth that we sing songs that are rich in biblical truth and that will uh, point us to worship Christ and to uh, look to Scripture for our foundation. But as we sang, the second to last song we sang talked about how the, you know, the abundant grace, and even as we sin, there's, there's grace sufficient for that. Romans 5.20 says, uh, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, and is always available. Never to be used an excuse, as an excuse to just live however we want, but yet should be a powerful motivation for us to come back in restoration as we confess our sins and restore a good relationship with the Lord. Then the last song we sing, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One of the I am statements, John chapter 14 and verse 6 that we looked at several weeks ago in detail. Uh, Teach me how to abide. Another I am statement, I am the vine in John chapter 15 uh, that dad brought two messages several weeks ago. So there are many, many biblical truths in the songs that we sing. Music, although can be a powerful tool for the gospel, can be a powerful tool for worship, it also can be a powerful tool for uh, for evil. And it can be a powerful tool to lead us astray, to lead us uh, really from a close walk uh, with God. It's very memorable. Some of you are more musical than others. That's true in our family. Kim uh, just this happens uh, frequently. She'll something will trigger a memory, and she'll start singing a song. I'm like, "Where did you get that song from?" Oh, we sang that when I was like five. I'm like, "What? I can barely remember the hymns of the faith." I mean, I, I just that's just not how I'm wired. But some really music helps to to you know remember things a lot longer. Whether it's a, a, a little. Uh, as you're studying for a test and you'd come up with a little tune or uh, this was very common in Brazil during political campaigns. Each politician would drive around the city and they would have kind of their little jingle and so people would recognize, oh, that's so-and-so because that jingle is you know, associated with you know, whatever politician. But music can be memorable for good or for bad. All right, just a little uh, test of that. Do you recognize this? What is it? Chariots of fire. Wow. Okay, you didn't need to hear that long. Now, I, I want to tell you, I spared you. I thought about even trying to hum it or like sink, you know, do the little noise on my mouth, but uh, that was better. So anyway, chariots of fire. This was made popular decades ago, but it's made popular not only in our country, but also in Australia, Japan, United Kingdom. And you, you hear just a little bit of that, and many of us were like, oh, chariots of fire. And if you've seen the movie or read the book about Eric uh, Lydell and uh, really a fascinating story about his faith and devotion for Christ, Uh, but yet that song helps us remember some of those things. So let's look at this and the idea of music. As we look at how we can corrupt, we can abuse technology uh, in sensual living, we've already looked at some of the topics before, but I want to look here at sensual living in in the sense of music. You know, from country to pop to hip-hop, music is a very, very powerful influence. You know, there's no doubt about it. Sometimes it can be tempting to think, well, music is neutral. 
outside of Sunday, yes, I, I want to sing, you know, worship songs to the Lord on Sunday. But outside of that, I just, I just want to have fun. I just want to relax. This is kind of my genre. I enjoy, you know, music. Is music completely neutral? You need to think about that. I'm going to advocate that it is not. Uh, unless you're singing, you know, a happy birthday song or something like that. But a lot of music is not a neutral choice. Much of music becomes a spiritual uh, choice. And like in most everything else in life, music can be greatly used of God, as we've already talked about, but it can also be greatly corrupted and used of the devil. I want to look at just some examples, okay? This is uh, just to give you some application. Some of you may be offended by this, and I want to guarantee I have not been on your social media pages. I don't troll. I don't look on your sites, you know, to try to figure out what am I going to preach on on Sunday. I don't do that. I'm not much on social media. My wife is more. She doesn't like feed notes to me. Hey, you need to preach about this. But so some of these things, it's just an honest, it's an honest, you know, application of what are some common things right now in, in music and as a believer, what are some things that we need to think about as we evaluate and make uh, these choices as we look at modern tech? Country. This week before last, I was originally going to share this last Sunday, but just didn't have time. Surprising uh, to you all, I'm sure. But uh, the week before last, some of the top country songs in the top 25. One of them is titled, The Kind of Love We Make. Country singer Luke Combs is the one who sings this. I wrote the song, and it's the whole song. Is about how you know, his desire to, to have an intimate relationship with his lady. Even if you took this song as Luke Combs singing this to his wife, he, and he is married and seems to have, you know, well, I guess, an okay marriage, but even if you took the song as Luke Combs singing it to his wife, sing it to her alone. The whole world doesn't need to hear that. That's not wholesome for the whole world to be hearing that. Um, next, country. Show a slide here. So, uh, Carrie Underwood, uh, Before He Cheats. Listen to the lyrics a little bit. Before He Cheats, Carrie Underwood. Right now, he's probably slow dancing with a bleach blonde tramp. She's probably getting frisky. Right now, he's probably buying her some fruity little drink because she can't shoot whiskey. Right now, he's probably up behind her with a pool stick showing her how to shoot a combo. And he don't know, I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. Carved my name into his leather seats. Took a Louisville Slugger to both headlights, slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. Right now she's probably up singing some white trash version of Shania karaoke. Right now she's probably saying, I'm drunk. And he's thinking that he's going to get lucky. Right now he's probably dabbing on $3 worth of that bathroom polo, oh, and he don't know. And then she goes through of everything that she's doing to his truck. Now, I just said those words quickly. Carrie Underwood is a very, very talented musician from what I hear. Uh, she could sing that a lot better as far as the, how it sounds. But think about the lyrics. Is that wholesome? Does that like give us, man, I, I want to I worship Christ. I want to value a, a biblical-based you know, relationship and honor Christ in all that I do. And unfortunately... This is, and again, this isn't to, to just bash her, but I'm trying to help you to have a, a sense of how do we apply Scripture? How do we look at some of, these, some of these truths in Scripture that many on a Sunday morning may even say verbally or think in their head, amen, but then on Sunday afternoon, not apply it. And I'm concerned that Carrie Underwood, is, she, she has great talent. Sometimes she has used that talent. Uh, for the Lord, but many times she has not, as an example of this song. This is the same 
a singer who in 2017 sang before 50,000 young people at the Passion Conference. A great platform to encourage young adults to live for Christ um, in the sense of of that many people, 50,000. But yet five years before that performance, she had made clear that she was okay with gay marriage. She's like, you know, who, who am I to say uh, who should love, you know, who, who and, and a very mixed message. The same singer who recently, even Fox News published it, she came out and, and saying, you know, I'm alarmed and I'm concerned that my kids are watching too much TV and the attitude uh, that it changes in them as they watch too much TV. Okay, you're concerned about the change of attitude that your kids have and you watch too much TV, but yet often you, you're immodest before the world and you show that. You know, where's the, there's a huge disconnect. As we look at that pop, next uh, slide here, okay, Taylor Swift, Calm Down. This was one of her top songs uh, in July of this year. Read the lyrics with me, not, not read out loud, but notice, notice the lyrics as we look at this song. Next slide, we'll start it. You are somebody that we don't know, but you're coming at my friends like a missile. Why are you mad when you could be glad? That's not a misspelling, it's there on purpose, and you'll see why in just a minute. Sunshine on the street at the parade, but you would rather be in the dark ages. Making that sign must have taken all night. A shot at protesters. You just need to take several seats and then try to restore the peace and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate because shade never made anybody less gay. And then she goes on to you know, sing more of the song. Glad, and the next slide will show this. Glad is a nonprofit organization. This is straight from their website, focused on LGBTQ advocacy and cultural change. Glad on local programs that advance LGBTQ acceptance. Is that helpful? You know, as we feed ourselves with things like that, um, you may enjoy, you know, the sound of that, but you have to think: Is that a nutritional diet that's going to help me to grow in Jesus Christ? Okay, Pastor, that's not me. I'm not country. I'm not pop. All right, what about hip hop? We go to hip hop. Uh, one of the as of uh, last Saturday, the number seven on the list was Hotel by Kid Ink, uh, and these are not recommendations if you haven't gathered that already. All right. But this number seven was Hotel by Kid Ink. The song can be summed up really by a guy's desire to leave the club with his girlfriend and with another lady who's been looking at him all night. That's what the whole song's about. Number seven on the list. Definitely not a good menu of content for the soul. So think with me. Now we look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let's compare a little bit of things that are, are, are shared, content that's in these, and then biblical truth. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is, I'm not on my soapbox. This is not something that I just think is David Huffman and this is my opinion. It is biblical to believe and understand that much of music is a spiritual choice. I rarely preach on this subject, not because I think it's important, but because I really believe that if we have a foundation and we're passionately pursuing Christ, a lot of these things are just going to come in sequence. 
But sometimes I notice as a pastor, there's, there's kind of you know, some sickness, not only in our church family, but just in Christianity at large. And so these messages are meant to be kind of like the soup, you know, kind of like the chicken noodle soup when you're sick that, man, just targets. These are some areas that you need to grow a little bit before you can start eating meat again and the meat and the potatoes and the bread. Uh, so think through these things. Question again, you know, what, how do I make my choices? Is it something I just enjoy listening to? Is it something that makes me happy? Is it something that makes me, you know, kind of want to get up and go? Or should I really be thinking, is this pleasing to Christ? I am not advocating, and, and, I, and I think you know this, I, I'm not advocating that we sing with long faces and never smile and emotionless. No, I believe God made us with emotion. I believe we can greatly enjoy music, but pray that it will be for his glory. So part of sensual living and the abuse or corruption of technology, music has been around for a long time, but the, the, the iPhones and the tech devices that we have now make it possible where I can take that everywhere I go, almost literally everywhere. So the temptation and the availability is much more. How about movies and series? Would any of you, if I asked you today, okay, would any of you say, Pastor David, we're going to invite people into our home uh, that they're going to cuss all day long. They're going to teach our kids how to be disrespectful to, to parents. Uh, they're going to, uh, you, you know, the man's going to commit adultery with my wife and they're going to have fornication with my daughters. And then they're going to leave the neighborhood and they're going to kill, kill our neighbors just, just for the fun of it. And we're going to invite people to come into our home in our neighborhood to do that. You would say, you are crazy. Absolutely not. All right, well, let's look at some of the top 10 movies. This was as of October 11th, 2023, just a few days ago. Okay, first one. All right, American, American Made, rated R for language and sexuality, comedy and drama. Number two, Ma, rated R. Number three, Fair Play. It's a drama, an erotic thriller, rated R for sexual violence, sexual content, pervasive language, and nudity. Number four, Reptile. It's a crime drama, rated R for language, violence, and nudity. Number five, Get Out. Horror movie, rated R for bloody violence. It's horror, mystery, rated R for violence, terror, and language. That's your top six as of October 11th on, on Netflix. A very poor spiritual nutrition for you. Top, some of the top series on Netflix. One is Sex Education Season 4. It's been in the top 10 for the last three weeks. It's geared for teens. But it has some very, uh, I mean, just clearly inappropriate content and very frank uh, sexual content. Another huge series that's been popular uh, on Netflix, Demon Slayer and I'm probably not pronouncing this correctly, Kometsu no Yaiba or Swordsmith Village Arc. Common Sense Media is not a Christian organization, but often you can find reviews for movies and series. Uh, there's even a section, you know, what parents need to know. This is their description. Parents need to know that Demon Slayer is an anime series that features lots of fantasy violence, blood, and scary-looking demonic creatures. The dead and possessed include young children, and characters are seen eating human flesh but it also contains positive themes about the love of family, determination, and courage. Glad those positive themes are in there. Woo! So these, these are some things that are at our fingertips, literally, that we can choose to feed our souls. As we go back to the 4.8 principle, let's look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, 
Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things on Sunday morning. Nope. Think about these things. Paul is encouraging the Philippian church and therefore the rest of us who, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's word is for us as well. And it says, think about these things. These are the things that are the heavenly things that we should think about. These are the things are the heavenly citizenship uh, type of issues that we should think about. True, commendable, pure, lovely. Last week in growth groups, we have already covered uh, the you know, biblical perspective of porn, uh, the pervasiveness of that. We also covered social media, how oftentimes that can be a, a portal uh, into that. So I want to dive into another aspect of social media, which is next. Another way that tech can corrupt or we can abuse it is through selfish living. Selfish living. So we've already looked at how it can lead to passive living, uh, how it can lead to sensual living, but it can also lead to selfish living. First of all, through selfish satisfaction, the idea that I want to be entertained. I want to be entertained. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary describes entertainment this way, as an amusement or diversion provided especially by performers. Again, entertainment has been around for a long time, way before the iPhone was ever invented or even thought of. The entertainment business has been around for a long time. But again, it's become so much more accessible, so much more uh, easy for us to have. In fact, uh, most of my growing up years, we did not have a TV in our home. It was just something that uh, I think, and I blame this on my two older brothers. They're five and six years older than I am. But I think at some point, they were arguing a lot about television shows. I would never do that, but they did. So they were arguing about television shows, and Dad just decided, okay, we'll take the TV out of the home. And that was kind of how I grew up. And honestly, I'm telling you the honest truth, most of the time, I really never even thought about it. Occasionally, kids at school would ask me, hey, did you watch this program? And I'm like, nah, yeah, we don't have a TV in the home. You what? You don't have a TV in the home? Never forget, as a teenager, we had a a college rep come in, and he stayed at our house. Dad was the pastor of the church, so the Christian college representative came in, and uh, he had some time to kill that afternoon. And he says, hey, you know, where's the TV? Can we turn on some news? And we're like... Yeah, about that. We, we, we don't have one. You don't have a TV? No, yeah, we don't have a TV. Okay. Uh, well, let's play Monopoly. I mean, what do you do, you know? So, but I do vaguely remember maybe being at friends' houses or something, but I, I vaguely remember as a young child when it would get late tonight, late at night, the TV program, programming would actually be turned off. Anybody else remember those days when actually the TV program wasn't 24 hours a day? Don't be shy. Okay, good. Thank, thank you, friend. <laughs> Help me out. Yes. So, you know, late at night, Dylan's like, yeah, of course. Uh, it, it would come to a point where the TV program would be shut off. The screen would go, it would be like a gray static, and then would make this annoying, right? You remember? Basically, it was the TV telling you, shut it off, stupid. The TV programming is done. Go to sleep. But that in the late 80s, actually even into the late uh, 70s, I think ESPN was one of the first ones to do 24-hour program programming in sports. 
I don't know, did they have like chess competitions through the night? Or, you know, I don't know what they did all through the night. But then into the 80s, that became kind of standard fare that, hey, we need to have 24 7, 365 programming so that anytime, anywhere, people can turn on their television and just be entertained. That has, has even grown into not only do we have this available on the TV in our living room, but we can literally take it anywhere that we have a signal or anywhere that we even have battery power that we've downloaded something, even at a campsite, a remote campsite. If we've got enough battery power, man, I can have my movies. I can keep up with the series. So we see this, this I want to be entertained. How has this affected a, a good portion of our life? Professional sporting events, believe it or not, they actually do still have athletic competition at professional sporting events. But in addition to that, they have a lot of entertainment. They have the big jumbotrons, and you're going to see all the replays, and you're going to see you know, quick pans of the crowds and funny things that people are doing, and the immodest cheerleaders that are cheering on the sideline. And then, of course, Super Bowl maybe is the most well-known, but at halftime, they have the Super Bowl halftime show. Right, which millions are more interested in that than they are uh, anything about what past the court, the QB play, you know throws or the running back. They want to see the halftime show. We see this in modern education. One of the schools that our kids went to a few years ago prided itself in being a STEM academy, but yet mo- much of the education that they were given at the STEM academy. The lights were down in the classrooms, and almost all day long, they were on tech. They were on iPads. They were on laptops. And they were doing entertaining things that would help keep the, the kids engaged as they learned. Our education has been greatly affected by that. How about Sunday worship? Sunday worship has been greatly affected by this. It's not uncommon for large churches to have production teams Don't get me wrong, I think as God's people, we should do the very best that we possibly can and pursue excellence for his glory, but many times there is a fine line of, okay, what is excellence for God and what is performance just to be famous and just to get people to come? There's there's a very important line to think about. Pastors, especially at big churches, are chosen much because of their ability to speak rather than their ability to shepherd the church throughout the week. I, I have heard people that I know, and, and, I, and I love them, and they're my friends, but during a time of transition, I, I heard this man say, yes, you know, we're looking for a pastor that, that we hope, you know, through his speaking ability and his charisma will help bring a lot of people back to our church. And I thought, that's wrong. That is the wrong idea. Yes, pastors need to be uh, able to to dissect God's word and to share that and study that, but they need to be good shepherds. They need to care about people Monday through Saturday, not just a Sunday morning performance. Passed by a church uh, recently. I don't know if it's still on their billboard, but for a long time they had on on their digital billboard out front, talented musicians wanted. Please call, you know, send such a number. Okay, Is that all you want, is talented musicians? Do you want godly musicians? Do you want people who see music as a way to worship God, whether they have the best talent or not? I think biblically that would be, you know, a little more in tune. We're We're not just looking for talent, but we're looking for people who love Christ, who music is just an outflow of something that's already happening in their heart and not just something they perform to for the praise of men. 
How about parenting? The focus of parenting, this will be on the screen, the focus of parenting for many has shifted from shepherding and correcting their children to entertaining and containing their children. And largely driven by tech use. Focus of parenting for many has shifted from shepherding and correcting their children to entertaining and containing, to entertaining and containing their children. Passive watching of entertainment can be a very effective short-term way of babysitting. But it is no substitute for purposeful shepherding in Christ. We need to be careful. Ephesians 6.4, we, are, giving a, we are, are given as parents a commandment in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And it says this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but do what? Bring them up. And this applies to parents, okay? Dads and moms, fathers and mothers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. How? In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And just to be clear, I'm not advocating as I grew up that you just snatch the TVs out of your home and you throw away your, your cell phones. You come into my home, you'll see a TV up on the wall in, in front of our, in top of our fireplace. But there's great caution of how much do we use that is, do we just say, hey, you know, I'm just kind of tired of the kids right now. So listen, go turn on the TV, watch whatever you want to watch. Just get out of my, get out of my way. Okay. You're frustrating me. And much of parenting has come to that. Oh, you you're, you, you don't have, you know, other people around your age, okay, go off in the corner. Just, just do, what, do whatever you have to do. How about, how about engaging with people? How about learning how to talk to adults? How about adults engaging with other adults around them? We're going to look at that uh, in a little bit more detail about how these can become our, our, our uh, portable you know, shields sometimes. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. You can see it on the screen or turn in your Bibles to see that. But, you know, tech-driven parenting, it may have become, and I certainly believe it is, the conventional way of parenting in the 21st century. But Christ-driven parenting is the intentional way of parenting that God gave for all centuries. So as we come into this modern age, tech-driven parenting is kind of the norm of the day. But Christ reminds us, listen, it is, it's Christ-driven parenting. What are my end goals? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 reminds us of some of the goals that we should have in this fight to keep tech a tool rather than a threat. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. First of all, parents, may I, may I stress to you, if you miss those first two verses and the truths of that, the rest of this passage is not going to be very powerful for you because you can teach and you can put verses on the fridge and you can bring your kids to church and you can send them to Christian camp. You can even put them in a private Christian school. But if you don't have it in your heart, if you aren't passionately following Jesus Christ yourself, they will see right through you. They, will, they won't even have to know. They, it's not like this analyzing. They'll know. Man, this is just a show. So the next few verses say this. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That is intentional, Christ-driven parenting. 
And whatever we do, how can God use me to model this for my kids and others that God puts in my circles of influence that I can mentor, I can disciple as a brother and sister in Christ? And how can I be intentional about sharing this instruction from God's word? Again, this love for entertainment is not, it's not a new thing. It's not just in the 21st century, not even in the 20th century. As you think about the ancient Colosseum, which held 50,000 spectators, it's a big place. And people would come, unfortunately, sometimes to see you know, fights. Uh, at one point, it was even to see Christians be, be persecuted, and the, it, was a, it was an entertainment for them. So from that stadium, ancient Colosseum, 50,000 people, all the way till today, the Narendra Modi Stadium in India can handle 132,000 people. Imagine the size of that. It's a large venue for cricket matches, but the truth of 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4 holds the same. Notice this in Scripture. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, and then it lists a lot of other things, but then it picks up, and again, and it says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Again, I'm not saying that the spiritual life has to be, you know, no fun, you don't laugh, you don't, you know, you never watch sports, you never, no, but what is the priority? What is the passion? Do, do everyone around us, and do, do we even know ourselves, what is the most important thing in my life? What brings me true satisfaction? What brings me true joy? Is it in Christ or is it in all of these ways of entertainment that I'm trying to find some joy and I just reach out and I try to find it in music and movies and series and porn and social media and sports and maybe even news junkies. I mean, you're on the news all the time because you want to, you want to be in the know. All of these things should remind us, hold on, I need to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. That needs to be first place. Way back in Psalm, Psalm 16, 11, it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. But unfortunately, many even believers miss out on this because we're so consumed with the entertainment of the world that we try to, you know, we're, we're just bringing in and consuming and soaking up all this entertainment of the world and we miss out on truly knowing at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The entertainment that I, that, I, that I enjoy is nothing compared to the relationship with Jesus Christ and with God uh, the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So I want to be entertained. Secondly, the selfish living can lead to the idea, I want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to talk to people who aren't like me. I don't want to experience the friction and problems that come with face-to-face -face relationships. Listen, I'm, I'm thankful for technology. Goodness, during the, during the pandemic time of how useful that was, when many of us couldn't meet in person, that at least we were able to get on Zoom and, and sing together, and then at the end, you know, open it up and, and talk, and we even got to see each other's, you know, houses, you know, kind of panning, this is, this is what we're doing, this is what we're going to have for lunch. And at least, you know, we had some communication that way, but it is no substitute long-term for personal relationships. We stream our, our service every Sunday, and I'm thankful for that opportunity for those who are sick, for those who are out of town. 
But I guarantee you, those who may watch, and may, it may be every Sunday, but if they're able to come physically and, and they just suffice and they're satisfied with online services, that does not bring them the design that God gives in personal, the one another's 50 plus commands of the New Testament. It's impossible. But yet sometimes it's much easier. We avoid relationships sometimes. It makes us vulnerable. People are sinners, and we are too. I get frustrated at, at somebody when they do this or do this or don't do this, and people get frustrated at me. Tony Rinke, in the book, even that's in the back table, he refers to our tech devices as portable shields. We can lift up at any given moment. We feel uncomfortable, or maybe we're just generally not in the mood. We, don't, we really don't want to engage with others, so we kind of lift that you know, portable shield up. Think about that. And again, I'm not, I don't want you to be jaded in the sense that you leave this and, and the whole church family begins to you know, watch everybody of how they're using their cell phones. And if somebody brings up their cell phone during the fellowship time, you know, this, like, this tech alert goes off. You know, beep, beep, beep. You know, if somebody's not engaging. No, that's not it. That's not the spirit of this. There's some legitimate reasons sometimes when other people are around that we, we look at our cell phone and we answer something or we're connecting and we're doing something. There's legitimate reasons for that. But if that becomes our default where we're, you know, when we're in the presence of people, if our default is, you know, I just bring this up, and that becomes my portable shield, we're missing many opportunities that God gives us to engage with others that God has put strategically in, in intersecting our life at that moment in the circles of influence. At a bus stop, classmates at your school as you walk into a class, you know, do you automatically just look on your phone until the professor starts to lecture? Are you, are you open for conversation? Are you, are you engaged? You know, remember last week the sign, you know, open and closed? Does your body language and how you use your tech, does it generally show, I'm open. I'm open to talk. I'm open to, to invest. I'm open to, to be friendly. Or does it generally show, nope, closed again. What are your, you know, what are your business hours? Pretty much never <laughs> closed all the time. Colossians 3, 11 through 16, this is a passage that we come back to often, especially in this context, and I think it lays a, a great biblical foundation. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together, how? In perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. A quick breakdown of this passage. We've, we've been through this passage a number of times. We went through the entire book of Colossians uh, towards the beginning of the, of the church plan. It's a phenomenal book. If you haven't spent much time in Colossians, I would encourage you to do so. But think about this. Just what we read, this passage reminds us that we shouldn't allow racial uh, lines to divide us. If I'm in a context and I might be the only white guy around, that doesn't mean that I put my, my phone up like, oh, what am I going to do here? You know, what am I going to talk about? 
I'm part of the human race, part of who God has made. And so I need to engage with anybody that puts, puts me in my path. And I hope that they're willing to engage with me. I hope they don't just look at me, oh, that's just another white guy. No, I hope that they will engage with me and we can have some, some meaningful conversation, especially among believers. We shouldn't allow social status to divide us. This talks about uh, even, you know, bond servants. We shouldn't allow social status to divide us. It's not comfortable or, or easy to be compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient. It's no fun to lovingly endure other people's weaknesses. It's difficult sometimes to offer, to ask for forgiveness and or offer forgiveness for those who have offended us. But yet this passage says, that's what Christ has done. And you put on love that is made possible because I have loved you first in 1 John. And so because of the love that you have, believer, then you're able to engage. And as God puts different people and intersects with you, you are able to engage with them and be a blessing. This is not a call for a church of extroverts. This isn't a command that you should be the life of the party. This isn't, the, this isn't a command that you need to go read joke books so you can you know, have something to say and make people laugh. But as God gives the talents that he gives you and the background that he gives you and the experiences that you've been through and seen him faithful, all of those become a foundation where you look to the opportunities of God, help me to engage. Help me not to just be closed, but help me to be open and share Christ with others. Lastly, we have the idea that as we corrupt this and selfish living, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on something exciting that's going on. When do you think the majority of people most likely are going to look at their social media accounts or just surf the internet? I mean, when do you think, and you don't have to answer, but think through your mind, when, are, when is that most likely that people are going to do you know, that, that sort of activity? Do you think it's when they're, they're cresting the top of a roller coaster and they're about to go down the other side you know, and screaming and their arms are up you know, at Six Flags or wherever you like to go? Do you think at that moment they're like, hmm, I wonder what my friends are doing on Facebook? If anything, they may be trying to hold their phone. Ah, look at me. But they're not, they're not looking at, usually, in that activity, they're not looking about what other people are doing because they're excited about what they're doing. If you're barreling down a mountain bike path and you're on your bike and you're seeing the, the, the changing leaves of, of fall and you're, you're trying to make sure you're not going to catapult over a rock or a root, most likely that's not the moment you go, man, what do I do now? I think I, maybe I just surf on the internet a little bit. Because you're enjoying what you're doing then. But yet this idea of, man, I don't want to miss out. 2004, a new term was even coined to capture this idea with four letters. Any idea what that would be? FOMO. All right, let's look at the definition. Here we go. FOMO. Fear of missing out, fear of not being included in something such as an interesting or enjoyable activity that others are experiencing. This is in your Merriam-Webster dictionary. This is an extremely important term, right? FOMO. Fear of missing out. Well, um, there's even an article in the National Library of Medicine about FOMO, and yes, they use that term of how FOMO connects with, with mental health. I mean, this is a thing, folks, that people are like anxious. What are my friends doing? What else is going on? What, what, am, I, what am I missing out on? Maybe your children, you know, this is a point of contention that 
you don't allow them to do certain things. Maybe you don't allow them to have the, the tech devices that maybe their friends have. And they may tell you, listen, I, I'm out of the loop. I'm, I'm irrelevant. Uh, I, I'm going to be left behind. Assure them that there's much more to, to life and there's much more to the world than just sending hundreds of texts throughout the day that many of them have very little meaningful content at all. In the end, it will help them. Promise. Anyone involved with planning activities and events, especially for teenagers and young adults, has felt the the stress and the the strain of this. As an activity is planned and sign-ups are put out and reminders are sent and sometimes even notifications, you know, these these things are sent and you're wanting people to sign up and you're hoping they will. Uh, But many times this idea of, well, what if something else more exciting comes up? And sometimes people are friendly enough to even say, I'm not sure yet. And not always, but sometimes that means I'm waiting to see what else my friends are going to do. Is there anything a little more exciting and so you kind of wait to the end, and then at the last minute, you might have some sign up, or you may even have some back out. Oh, well, you know, uh, this came up, and I was able to do this, and so this was, you know, a little more FOMO, fear of missing out. This doesn't just affect teenagers. It doesn't just affect young adults. The content may change. Posts that we put on may change as we get into our late 20s and 30s and 40s as I am. And then after that and even uh, in, the, in the glory years, you, the, the content may change, but the idea is often still the same. I don't want to miss out. Several years ago when I did a similar series in Brazil, I read an article that said something like this. When you're waiting for your coffee to brew in the morning... The majority of your friends aren't doing anything more exciting than that. They might be brushing their teeth. They may be doing their hair. They may be putting their shoes on. They may be, you know, tying their shoelaces. But if you see that one of your good friends has just taken a selfie, and you get a notification perhaps, and they've taken a selfie in front of the Eiffel Tower, all of a sudden there's a huge temptation of, and I'm just here brewing my coffee. And my best, my good friend, man, he's in Paris. Front of the Eiffel Tower, fear of missing out. Some of you, maybe you can't imagine not seeing your favorite team play their next game, or you may you can't imagine missing the next show in the series. You can't imagine not knowing for three, four days what's happening in the world, and all of these things feed into man. I don't want to miss out. I want to stay connected. I want to stay relevant. I want to encourage you in closing. There is one thing. There is one thing that I want to challenge you and plead with you if I can to not miss out. And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 37. Calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Wow, that's, that's stark contrast to the entertainment crazed world. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Then I hope these last questions will go home with you, especially if you don't know Christ as your Savior. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? 
For what can a man give in return for his soul? You may spend years of your life and a lot of money and a lot of time and effort to do all the things on your bucket list. And I've done a lot of fun things in my life and I thank God for that. But if you live for that, man, I want to I go skiing. I want to you know, be on a sea-do. I want to be out fishing. I want to you know, do, and all these things begin to dominate your life. Remember, Jesus says, if you gain the whole world, but you don't know me, you've lost it. You've lost your soul. And then really, in the clearest way possible, in 1 John 5, 11 through 13, notice what John says. This is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is where? In his son. Let's do it again. This life is where? In his son. So pretty, pretty clear. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God. Why? That you may know, not wonder, not guess, not always hope I've done enough works, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not because you've done all the cool things in the world and you've watched the the best movies and the best shows and you listen to great music. Not because of all those things, but because you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That is something I pray and hope and plead and have dedicated my life to help you never to miss out on that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we finish?